You're about to listen to The Brown Sound, a podcast hosting people making different sounds in their respective fields. We talk about everything from life and passions to how they got their start and what was their breakout moment. I'm your host, Stuart Brown, so let's get started on another episode of The Brown Sound. G'day everyone, welcome to another edition of Free Time Friday, live at five sometimes, but most certainly coming at you live tonight. Uh, we've got a special guest on the show tonight, uh, first ever guest on Free Time Friday, so I'm pumped for that. I'm going to review the week that was, jump into some What's the Beef, uh, have a look at a shout out and then get our guest on the show. So we've got heaps to get through, so grab yourself a GNT and let's get started. Free Time Fridays. Okay, so fresh off the press, um, about two hours ago, Prime Minister Scott Morrison gave us an update on COVID-19 and gave everyone a massive pat on the back and said thank you very much for staying home and being antisocial. Um, and it looks like the restrictions on everyone travelling will be well, eased starting from next Friday. So that is something to have a little disco stew about. Um, obviously, the proviso on that uh, he's saying is that everyone, or hopefully more people, will download the app uh, that allows us to track where you've been. Now, um, a lot of people probably don't realise that that already happens anyway when you're on Facebook and when you're on a number of different other apps, and your phone um, when you move around naturally tracks what you're doing anyway. So don't be a dickhead, download the app, um, and if you don't like it on the other side of it, delete it, but it will certainly help things get back to some level of normalcy uh, as quick as we can. Now, I gave you an update last week in What's the Beef about how disappointed I was in Netflix and their decision to gradually release the Michael Jordan documentary. So the good news for all of you is that that means that for the next three weeks, you get to hear me give you an update two episodes at a time, like ripping a Band-Aid off slowly about the Michael Jordan documentary. Excellent. So in this week's episodes, we got an update on the coach um, and we got to look at Dennis Rodman before Madonna turned him weird. Um, so, a very exciting two episodes where you get to see Dennis Rodman go from a normal-looking human being uh, to somebody covered in tattoos wearing um, a really weird hat on Oprah. But it was very interesting. He was actually an enforcer for the Detroit Pistons um, and helped the Detroit Pistons take away uh, the Chicago Bulls' chances to get into two NBA conference finals. Um would have been very interesting to be a fly on the wall in the Chicago dressing rooms when Dennis Rodman joined Chicago because at the end of one of those conference finals, they decided not to shake hands uh, with the Bulls once they beat them, and that left a pretty sour taste in Michael Jordan's mouth, as it would. Um, so definitely two good episodes, uh, so jump on and have a look, and uh, be interested to see what happens over the next three weeks. Last but not least, in the update from the week, I was pretty impressed to see that when I got to the end of my driveway on Anzac Day on Saturday morning, that a large amount of my neighbourhood had done the same thing. Standing out there listening to the last post, um, echoing around a very quiet neighbourhood with everyone burning candles um, was really impressive and uh, it was something that I was really, really uh, glad to be able to introduce to my eldest son. 
So definitely something to stay um, and again, out of all the negativity, a positive uh, thing where we couldn't get together and commemorate those people who sacrificed or made the ultimate sacrifice uh, to give us our freedom and allow us to bring you this show every week. So let's keep that going. Well done to everyone who participated. So next we're going to roll straight into what's the beef? What's the beef? So it was a really, really, really slow news week this week, and I was really glad that I managed to find this piece of information. Apparently, Oprah Winfrey struggles to put her doona cover on. No shit. That's because the doona covers are assholes, and everyone struggles with it. I would be really surprised equally if Oprah Winfrey actually puts her own doona cover on, um, so it's amazing that it's a news story somehow that she struggles to do it. The Friday Shout. So each and every week we bring you a shout out. Um, and what we try to do here is to promote a local business who might be struggling a little bit, who does a really great job. Um, and particularly in this case, we've seen businesses struggling as a result of the COVID-19 outbreak. So this week, um, or in the last few weeks, we've been focusing on the restaurant industry, and this ties in really well with our next guest, um, and tonight is no different. So we're looking at the Blue Olive Greek Garden, uh, sorry, the Blue Olive Greek Kitchen um, in Berwick at Park Hill Plaza. Uh, they make souvlakis, bit of lamb gyros, which is always yum, and you can get food from them via Uber Eats. So as we always say and have been saying for the last six episodes, no different in this episode, do yourself a favor, take the night off and order something from a local takeaway place. They will thank you uh, and they will certainly uh, get more out of it uh, than you will. So that brings us to the next part of the show. Normally here we would be opening basketball cards, but Australia Post are underwater like most of the state is. Um, and uh, we were fortunate enough to be able to get uh, Katrina Hyam, um, my sister on the show, uh, to have a chat with us about the Restaurant and Catering Association as well as her passion for Astro Boy. Um, some refer to me simply as Katrina's brother. Um, they're right, but it's great that uh, I'm able to bring her on as the first guest of our show, uh, and it's something that I'll talk about when this show goes global. So without further ado... Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show, Katrina. Thanks for joining us. You can only just hear us there. How's that? Is that that better? Got the audio there? Yes, I do. All right. Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Obviously, far more formal than we would normally introduce ourselves to one another, um, but you have to keep these things professional. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Give us your comic book one for those of us who don't know you as well as I do. Yeah, sure. I, I, I mean, I can I can hardly hear you, but I'm sure that you're just asking me to talk about myself, which I'm more than happy to do. Thank you so much for having me. Um, and I think that you um, turned around and said, obviously, we're we're brother and sister. I am the older um, the older one of the two of us. Let's just say that there. Um, so, hi, my name is Katrina Hyam. I am the head of training and education at Restaurant and Catering Association, um, which is pretty um, exciting. I absolutely love my job. Um, I, my background is hospitality. 
Uh, I'm a chef by trade. I was um, trained in Melbourne, um, so Melbourne, uh, not born and bred, but certainly Melbourne trained, uh, working at some amazing Italian-European restaurants uh, around the state. Um, and then from there, I was a trainer and assessor. I decided that I really wanted, my passion was um, training and teaching people. Uh, and we had, my husband and I, Alan, we were crazy enough to buy a cafe called Windsor Deli um, in, oh gosh, 2009. Um, And we owned a cafe for a few years and I decided that um, obviously when we had our two daughters that we were going to sell the cafe um, and I was going to start focusing on training and assessment because it was really a passion, um, loved uh, imparting knowledge, loved watching the apprentices and the, the students really thrive from the knowledge and information um, that that obviously I was teaching them and, and the, everybody around surrounding people learning. So um, I was really lucky enough to have a move up to Sydney. I I went for a beach change and moved up to the northern beaches of Sydney, which we loved and I miss terribly, especially with the rain out here at the moment in Melbourne, um, and was lucky enough to work at Tape New South Wales in the Cordon Bleu um, as a trainer and assessor amongst um, other specialty roles. And um, ended up moving back to Melbourne um, for family reasons. The kids were growing up wanting to see their grandparents and obviously aunties and uncles. And ended up with um, a role at Australian Training Products where we did some amazing resources um, for the hospitality industry. Uh, And at the beginning of the year, um, I, well, late last year, I was approached by a restaurant and catering um, to take on the role of head of training and education. um, really lucky, started the role with them uh, this year in January. And um, yeah, here I am. Um, I'm now into my, just on my fourth or fifth month now um, and absolutely loving it. So we've had some exciting things happen um, and we're working on lots of different training outcomes at the moment and micro-credentialing and all sorts of craziness. So, um, and obviously a massive Astro Boy fan, (laughs) which is why we're here. Um, But yeah, yeah, I think I've just given you my life story in a nutshell, which again, you obviously already know a lot of this because I ring you and harass you most days. So um, yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so thank you for having me. No, more than welcome. So hopefully that's fixed um, the audio a little bit and you oh, can hear. It's much better. Excellent. I get to hear you in stereo now. Yeah, that's fantastic. And, yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's probably the only time where I actually get to talk and be in control of the conversation. So I'm, I'm loving this. It's going to um, it's going to really uh, help me um, when, we're, when we're not on the camera. Um, so you mentioned there that now you're at um, RCA. So what does RCA do? Okay, Restaurant and Catering um, Association represents over 40,000, uh, 40,000, 47,000 cafe, restaurants and catering organisations Australia-wide. Yep. Um, we look at um, representing the industry to government, making sure policies um, are put forward, ideas are put forward, things that our members are really looking for, um, for vital policy changes um, are put forward. Um, I'm really lucky there's an amazing team at restaurant and catering that does all of that. I I sort of sit outside all of that. Um, But as part of restaurant and catering, we represent our members. Um, They ask us um, 
to talk to government about wages or at the moment coronavirus and when we can get back into being back in business and really putting forward obviously our thoughts on JobKeeper and JobSeeker and supporting industries. So um, Wes, Belinda and Tom, hello, um, they do an amazing job. They absolutely do. And the rest of the team at Restaurant and Catering, it's not just one, there's quite a few of us working away in the back. This is often the case, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so then I come in from the training and education side. So it's about what um, the members need from us. Um, and it's been um, a lot of feedback at the moment, obviously, being quite new um, to restaurant and catering, a lot of listening to the members and asking them what they need and what they want um, from restaurant and catering from the training side um, to ensure that we're obviously doing the best by our members. So, um, yeah, we are certainly um, coming strides um, whilst going through corona. Yeah, and obviously um, the restaurant and catering industry um, has been heavily affected by uh, the coronavirus and obviously the, the really early shutdown um, that they uh, experienced. So what, um, it, from a training perspective, what, um, what are you working on or, or how are you um, seeing that corona is going to affect um, the training requirements of those businesses beyond reopening? Um, I think the, the biggest thing that we're working on at the moment and Wes was on Sky News um, yesterday talking about it and obviously Michaela Cash was talking about it today is what happens after this and um, what is it, what are we going to have to do and the be best practices that we have to put in um, to ensure that um, people are still maintaining social distancing, they're still doing all the things that they need to in a safe environment um, to prevent, um, obviously, the spread of corona. So what um, sanitisation, how are we cleaning the equipment, what are the staff doing every single day? So we're, we're working towards a best practice guide at the moment, which is um, obviously where the training and education comes in. Um, to put that forward and, and help our members and, and, and obviously the rest of Australia to, as they're w going back into hospitality, what they're going to need to do. So it's very, yeah, it's very exciting. As, as much as we can support um, and as much as we can um, train and educate people and help them, that's, that's obviously what restaurant and catering is here to do. Yeah, and it's really interesting as well that you talk about um, improved uh, sanitisation and stuff like that because... I remember from, you know, during your time going through your apprenticeship as a chef and all of those sorts of things, um, how you'd always talk about, um, and even some of the stuff that we ended up doing at home, like food labelling and, you know, temperature controls and all of the stuff that um, restaurants already have to do to maintain hygiene standards around food preparation and things like that. Mm. Um, it, it feels to me like this is just going to turbocharge again the responsibilities of, of the industry to deliver that sort of higher level of it's, it's almost hospital-like um, levels of sanitization that they're going to be required to do. And, and obviously that's going to have a massive impact on how they operate their business. Mm, I, I think that if people are smart and they take care um, and obviously they they do the things that we're all being told to do at the moment and washing your hands and sneezing into your arm and coughing into your elbow and, and doing those things that um, hospitality, we actually innately do a lot of that stuff. Um, yeah. and, and as chefs, you don't certainly don't cough openly over food. I mean, you, you obviously put straight into your elbow. And I mean, I think it's just about um, reusing reiterating that knowledge and reiterating the training that we already have and just 
continually solidifying that by going, okay, remember to do this. Remember to check your temperatures extra. Remember to make sure you sanitize all your equipment. Make sure that those guidelines are there. And I think that's that's part of what we're doing with restaurant and catering is, is that we're putting together these guidelines, not that you don't already know, but it's a really good reminder to say, Hey, listen, remember when we obviously learned it at school and we learned it with food safety supervisor courses and we learned it again when our employees did it and we maintain it in our food safety plans every day is that this course that uh, restaurant and catering are putting forward is that remember these guidelines. Remember this is what we do with COVID. This is what we have to do now going back into business to ensure that we're preventing the spread. We're looking after our staff and and employees and employers and we're looking after the customers. I mean, this has to be a, it takes a village. Um, It still takes a village now to run hospitality. It takes a village with the employers and the employees and the customers. We all have to work together so that we can go down and get our best coffee and go down to the local shop and get fresh-made bread and sit at the cafe and meet with our friends. This takes a village to solve the problem and keep preventing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. So, so um, in terms of the industry changes other than that, outside of that, how do you see... So, um, I saw recently that um, restaurant and catering had put together a deal with um, Uber um, in terms of... Um, delivery um, mm-hmm. and, and the costs associated with that. How do you see that changing? Because there's been a lot of press about um, about Uber and, and the impact of that um, business on the business model and profit uh, levels of mm. um, restaurants and um, of food shops in general. How do you see hopefully that changing, that um, dynamic going into the future? Um, I think it's, it's, it's hard for me to say it because it's not on the training and education side, but um, what I can say is, is that businesses have a choice um, when they come on um, to Uber, what they do. And Restaurant and Catering worked really hard with Uber to um, bring the percentage down to sign up new members to look after them while they're going through it. And it is up to the choice of the business owner whether they sign up to the Deliveroo's, to the Ubers. Um, People may sign up to the Uber through um, this particular period to work out whether it works for them. I mean, that's that's the great thing about it is that they can test it with the market at the moment, see if it works for them in business. And if it doesn't work for them, they obviously have that choice. They have um, Deliveroo. We have so many of these um, menu log, so many of these platforms that they can work with. It can be a really good support for the business um, and, and they really need to look at their own options to work out. It is not best fit for all. It is best fit for each individual business. Yeah, and I think that um, probably out of it as well, a lot of businesses will recognise the fact that, they, that they're omni-channel um, mm. and, and it will probably, as you say, like it will help them rapidly introduce, even if they are only temporarily on these platforms, it will help them rapidly introduce another uh, aspect to their business that they may have either been resisting or um, have, may have thought was you know, a passing fad. Um, and it will help them to diversify uh, the revenue streams and probably mm. come out of it with a stronger business, albeit they've obviously gone through a lot of pain to get there. 
um, with the close down and forced closure of those uh, those businesses. So no, absolutely. I think with um, the one that you did the shout out um, uh, and thank you for giving a shout out to Blue Olive. Like they, a, a perfect example. I went on to Uber and Alan and I were trying to work out what we were going to eat for dinner, and it had been a long day, so we ended up ordering and. Um, went on to Uber, found Blue Olive, and I actually then jumped on their website because I was like, well, if they're on Uber, they must be on, um, obviously, on their own website. So I went onto the landing page and it says order through Uber. So you're like, okay, well, maybe that's because they might not have delivery drivers, they might not have all the staffing right now, they might be doing something else with their staffing levels. So you do what the business is requesting. But what I did instead at the other end is that, I took a photo of the beautiful little label that they'd put up saying, thank you for supporting small business. And I put that on my Instagram and Facebook and said, thank you so much. They then personally messaged me and said, thank you so much for sharing. Would you mind doing um, a a review for us? I was like, absolutely no problem. The food was delicious. And so I'm more than happy to support small business in that way that they're asking me to. They're not forcing me to order through Uber or forcing. They're they're creating that channel, that marketing channel that they want. And as an obliging customer, I'm more than happy to help. So, and I think that um, it's really important. And and I think last week you said um, about our eat alone together um, hashtag and that's what I did and ate alone together. And and I think I called some mates and and we all kind of chatted and and did that while we were over dinner. But that's that's what industry needs right now. We just need to support in whatever way we can, um, like you've been saying for the last six weeks. Yeah. And I think there's two really good points there. One is a really good um, way for people to learn. Um, Contacting somebody who um, has ordered from you and asking them to post a review, there's nothing wrong with that and more businesses should do it. Um, everyone complains when they get negative reviews, but no one actually asks people to give them a, a review of their food. I think um, not even just food, it's generally. Uh, and it's probably in a lot of cases because they're hesitant um, or they may be hesitant about the type of review they're going to get. But the, the real key point for me on that as a, as a marketing exercise is that they've personalized communication with you. And out of that, you get you get far more customer loyalty out of a personal interaction with a customer um, than sitting there and just waiting or hoping that they're going to leave a review and, you know, you can address issues, but out of it, you've had a positive experience. You've posted on Instagram. They've thanked you for it, which is huge. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, your network will see that and, and it will help them grow their business and they won't directly be able to grab hold of the people that have, you know, come into their business because of the fact that they've seen it on your social media streams. Um, that's one of the only difficulties of, of, of being mm. able to measure that type of engagement, but it's as good as word of mouth. Um, and so, you know, the businesses that do that sort of thing will benefit from it. Absolutely. Um, I, I can give you another example if you'd indulge me just for sure, a, yeah, a yeah, second. Um, I was scrolling through Instagram as you do at like 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock at night when the kids have gone to bed and there was a company called 14 Days of Cheese and I was like straight away, oh, sounds great, this sounds amazing. <laughs> and I jumped on there and they, um, I think they were asking for like last deliveries of the night before they started shipping out the next day and – um, I live in southeastern Melbourne, quite far out. It's like, uh, I think it's like 50 k's from the city. So um, we really live in the burbs. And um, one of the things that I 
I messaged them. I just pulled up the Instagram and said, look, I'm, I'm really wanting to order. I know that you're not delivering. Where, where can I get your 14 days of cheese subscription? And I said, I just want a once off hundred bucks worth of, or 70 bucks worth of cheese or whatever it was. And the lady automatically came out and said, we're actually delivering to Pakenham tomorrow. Would you like us to do an order? Could you please order like right now? And because she was so accommodating, I went from a potential $70 order to like a $110 order purely because of the customer service. I'm a complete sucker for customer service. And $110 order later, the next day, like 9.30 in the morning, this beautiful um, package turns up in a little cold bag with my bottle of wine and all my delicious cheese. And straight away, I'm automatically sold. Like I'm in, <laughs> in, ready to buy the next order. I haven't even eaten my cheese. I'm ready because of that customer service level was above and beyond. And I jumped on and I think the lady's name was Maria, excuse me, um, 14 days of cheese if I've got the name wrong. But um, it, I, I messaged her and said, thank you so much. The cheese is delicious. I Instagrammed it. And every single time I'm trying a new tri- cheese now for 14 days, um, I'm hashtagging and copying in or tagging her and the cheese company, and in my circle, we're all foodies. We're all chefs. We're all business owners. We're all people that are obsessed to a ridiculous level of food. So I found her from a friend. She's now got business potentially from me saying how good it is and how good the customer service is. And it spreads like wildfire. It's it's really, really exciting for small businesses to be able to, um, yes, I, I can't imagine what it would be like for me to own business right now in hospitality, um, but there are so many amazing people making hay with the situation um, that is really inspiring on the other side. Yeah, and that's it. I mean, um, I was going to ask you, so is that something that they were doing before COVID or is that uh, something they've added to their business in terms of delivery? So, are they a wholesaler or? Um, You know, I actually don't know. I think they've been in business for quite a while um, and I think that I've actually just found it because so many people are ordering things to home now that every time you get a delivery, it's exciting, right? You're not getting getting a bill. You're getting something (laughs) to your door. Like, I was so excited. I I ordered from um, Who Gives a Crap, which everybody knows is the toilet paper company. And I was I so excited. I have not heard of that. Oh my goodness! I have not heard of that. Um, Do they have stock? They would have gone bull. They would have gone ballistic. They did. They did. So <laughs> they actually ran out of toilet paper, and yeah. so well, I've been following. It was a te- yeah. It was a bomb stick. <laughs> um, and um, so we. I ordered, I did a back order with them. We had ordered from them in the past when I used to live in St Kilda, and. Um, they sent, I was so excited when the, the, there was a knock on my door today and there's this 48 rolls of toilet paper. Is that the I toilet mean, paper with writing all over it? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I should have had, I've got all these it's got, like. It's got like, a, you know, it's got messages on it and stuff like that. So if you get bored, 
Yeah, there's like an emergency <laughs> roll where it's all in red and you unwrap it and it's like Christmas. And, yeah. Um, but I, I, I should have, next time I'll bring more props. I've got props all around me, but I'll bring more props next time. But uh, I'm enthusiastic, but there's a next time. That's good. Yeah, no, no, no <laughs> at this stage because I've, I've like completely steered this conversation. Um, no, that's fair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm used to that. I'm used to, you know, in preparation for this, I was thinking about when we used to play um, board games like, yes. and it would literally be that we would play whatever board game you wanted to first on a false promise that we would play whatever board game I wanted to next and I knew we never would. I knew this conversation would be the same thing. I'd want to talk about a whole heap of stuff and we'll talk about all your stuff first and then we'll run out of time. But like I was saying, to get things to the door and that customer service and that next level at the moment is really separating people and um, their businesses apart and just taking that little extra step to be nice and to go that little extra note is making such a difference to people right now when we're in isolation and those little things are really making an impact um, on small business and it's free it, it the only thing is costing you is that little bit of time is which just, everyone has more of at the moment because of what's going on so like it's that's right yeah it, it um I, I get exasperated about it because it's so so simple, but the thing that's taken businesses to realise about it is going out of business. Yes. And it just blows me away that it takes going out of business for people to recognise the tools that are available to be able to use mm-hmm. them and to, you know, develop and grow their business. So, um, you know, and equally if, as far as the other thing I wanted to touch on that you, you, you mentioned is how simple it is for consumers to support small businesses by doing exactly what you're doing, jumping on Instagram, jumping on Facebook, tagging the product, saying what they've had. I mean, we're, everyone's so quick to complain about bad service and we know that it's 1 to 10 versus 1 to 100 in terms of mm. a, a good um, uh, feedback versus negative feedback, how many people tell. Um, but Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff allows you to amplify that so significantly um, you know, and I, like I'm not a foodie, but I saw what you posted about the, the 12 days of cheese and I was interested and tagged Kelly in it and said, oh, wow, Kel, look at this because we love cheese. Mm-hmm. Um, look at this. Yeah. We've got to do this. This is awesome. And so it just spreads. And um, But it's really activating it from the business's side is such a simple thing to do um, just by either asking for it or mm. um, or wowing, like doing what they've done for you in terms of delivering that, um, yeah, cool, we can get you on the truck, it'll be delivered tomorrow. Um, so you're wowed by it and you spend more. So, you know, your average um, invoice value goes up, which is obviously good for the business as well. Um, right. and, and you become a big advocate for it. So simple That's things right. for people to do. What I wonder though, is how many of them will continue to do it once things return you know, back to semi-normal. Mm, I think, uh, I, I mean, obviously, again, um, speaking a lot to people in the hospitality industry, this is going to change hospitality forever. And this is going to change hospitality in the way that um, so many people hadn't thought about the takeaway option for their business before. And now it's actually working. No, it's not. It's not 100% of the revenue that they were making before, but it is certainly helping to add to their revenue and when this comes back they'll they'll hopefully be um doing more of the takeaway options and they'll have it as a secondary part of their revenue it won't just they'll just they won't just cut it off and say right we're going back to doing everything in the restaurant 
That's yeah, no, not how businesses not. is going to go. Yeah, you hope not. No, I hope so as well. I love getting cheese delivered to my door. <laughs> uh, no, I, I'm, I haven't shopped. So I was a really early adopter to Amazon. I um, mean, part of that's dad's fault. Um, but I would buy um, books online um, going as far back as 2001 when we, when we got back from overseas. Mm-hmm. And I've just rediscovered my love for waiting for and forgetting what I've ordered and then having it turn up and be like, oh, what's this one? Yeah. Um, even though I know roughly what it is, like, and because I get it delivered to work, I get deliveries almost every day now because of the, ba- the delay in, um, in the postage. In the post. And, and it's literally all this stuff that we organise, camera equipment, things like that for, for obviously what we're doing. And mm. um, now it's gradually turning up and it's it's – even though I know what's coming, it's so exciting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Maybe it's how sad or boring it is, but I love it. I absolutely love it. It's like the basketball card thing and all that stuff. I don't think I would have rediscovered a lot of these things without the COVID-19 epidemic happening or pandemic happening. And um, I think that's, um, you know, as you are saying before, about positives coming out of the negative. Yeah, obviously, it's not good that all these businesses have been affected really badly. And, and obviously, above right. that, that, that people have passed away from it. But I think it's kind of like the injection that society needed to, to get going again and to get off this whole bag the crap out of everyone um, approach that people have been taking and, and get on with it. Yeah, be kind. I yep. think the the one of the other ones, and, and obviously teaching the girls about not everything. Um, obviously, as you know, I have two little girls and um, Eleanor is eight and Evie is five and Eleanor um, ordering something online. So she actually ordered something, a little toy um, from overseas. She saved up and, and did it and now um, making her wait for that and realise that it doesn't just, everything's not instantaneous. And the same, we ordered Lego online. Um, from Rick James Bricks, the Lego. Oh, he's a legend. Um, in Pakenham. And it, I ordered it the night before as a bit of a surprise to the girls. They'd been really good schoolwork, obviously homeschooling and, and me juggling full-time work and, and all of that. And um, it arriving the next day, um, them unpacking this box of so many exciting Lego, um, obviously all the, the different builds and stuff that we had got for them, but to have it come in the mail, they had even though they had to wait for a, a little bit, like it's still is really good at teaching them a little bit of patience and so not everything's instantaneous um, yeah. and not everything grows on trees. Like things have to happen for them to, to have that journey as well. So And, and yeah. I thought I would struggle with the waiting because you know mm. me, like I'm, I'm, I'm not impatient. I'm not impatient, but when I decide that I want to buy something, I'll just go and buy it. Yes. Um, but it's been so busy mm. that the, the convenience of the whenever I want to do shopping, doing it, um, far outweighs the having to wait a couple of days for it. Because generally, whatever I'm ordering, I won't have time to use until the weekend. Like I'm not ordering food. Mm. It's, it's you know things for this or things for that. So. Um, you know, Bunnings is always open if you need to urgently get mm. something, and otherwise you can probably wait for just about anything. So, um, it, yeah, it's it's converted me back again to that to that type of process. So, 
I think the other thing that it's stopped is this impulse buying as much, that people yeah. don't just go and hang at the shops either. I think people are being a bit more considerate about what they, apart from toilet paper, and people <laughs> going and hoarding spaghetti um, and canned tomatoes and stuff. But it's, it's really also, I think for me personally, and I'm not sure, there's obviously very, very different people out there in the world, it's actually made me consider, do I actually need that? Do I need to just go down to Fountain Gate or Chadston um, just to go get that one thing? It makes me sort of consider stay at home, Katrina, and then wait a week. And if you really do need it, still go out and buy it. Or can you buy it locally? Can you buy it from a small business owner? Um, so it just kind of that consideration, I think, um, has, yeah, has definitely made an impact on me and, and my family, that's for sure. Yeah, and I think that you're right. I think that that will do a lot. A lot of people will go through that process, mm. uh, particularly as things tighten up on the way back out of this. Um, That's so right. You, so you dropped on before. Um, we'll move away from this. You dropped on before talking about kindness. Now, um, I'm not as big a Astro Boy fan as you. We'll bring up. Uh, we we prepared a special little um, dancing Astro Boy there for Ooh. the uh, for the stream. Um, I'm not as big an Astro Boy fan as you were, even though when I was a kid, um, obviously we were kids at the same time. Um, Are you sure we, about that? I'm pretty sure about <laughs> that. Um, when we were kids, um, I think I, I remember watching it like around the Roger Ramjet time in the afternoon. It's funny that we say that just as a quick segue. I was explaining to um, our artist boy um, the other day that we were watching Round the Twist, which is now oh, on yes. YouTube. And so we were like, watch this. Have you ever, ever felt like this? Yeah. So we were watching it and um, I started getting the song stuck in my head again. <laughs> um, we were saying, you know, we had to rush home from school and make sure we were home by 4.45 p.m. because you couldn't just turn it on. You had no. to be there when it was on. And I remember it was on and then afterwards for the two minutes between that and when the news came on, Roger Ramjet would come on. Yeah, that's right. And Banana Man. Banana Man, yep. Um, and, and, Captain and Caveman. Yes, and oh, what was the other one? There was the another one. one. Tra trapdoor. Trapdoor. Oh, Trapdoor. Trapdoor. You know, I think that's coming back on. Yeah, so there was like Astro Boy, then Trapdoor, then like Banana Man, and then Roger Ranger, and then it was the ABC News, right? So everything yeah. was serious and we had to be quiet so that mum and dad could obviously <laughs> listen to the news. But yeah. there was like this this period of time on, on Channel 2 that was just like the best of the best of the 80s. And, um, yeah, no, I, I absolutely remember sitting up in New South Wales watching it all. And then it would drop into MASH. And then, yes, obviously all the rest of <laughs> yeah. that would come Which on. Which we've seen, seen nine million to, times, but we'll, we'll yeah, watch it again no, when absolutely. it's on. So, but in terms of talking about kindness, um, yes. certainly uh, Astro Boy, from what I understand, um, it was originally written um, about that. It was about um, understanding that either robots were, um, it could be kind or um, about representing the kindness that was required in terms of um, human beings or something along those lines. Yeah, look, um, I think it was, um, and, and let's just preface that I'm not a diehard Astro Boy fan. No, fan. I think that I'm a fan. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know everything about Astro Boy. I wish I did and I wish I had more time um, in my life to, to learn more about it. But I think for, for me, it was, um, there was always a moral to every episode episode and there was always something he did that was kind and something always to be learnt from it and when I've 
reignited that passion quite a few years later, obviously with um, Eleanor and Evie, is that they're watching and you can see the information processing and you yeah. can see um, the moral of the story. And, and it's really obvious to me now as a parent and an adult, but you can see the girls sort of processing it as well, saying um, being kind and, and being nice and being polite and no, you're not always saving the world like Astro Boy and you're not going and fighting all these monster robots and bad people in the world. But um, there's, there's certainly a moral to the story and there is so much, there's so many cartoons now and there is so many um, that I actually don't deem appropriate for my children. And I never thought I'd be that parent to say, oh, you can't watch that because it's it's not appropriate. It's, but there's so many violent um, cartoons. There's so many, there's no more, there's not really as many Bugs Bunnies anymore or the Astro Boys or the Roger Ramjets of the world. They're so different. Yeah, so for the girls to sit and watch um, all like we've got the DVD one, which I'll show you the the in a second. But um, for them just to sit and watch the DVDs, and I don't have to stress or worry that it's going to be something inappropriate or something that um, I don't think they're quite ready to know and understand um, is a really really nice thing too. So. Yeah, yes. I think you're spot on. Like our boys spend a lot of time actually watching YouTubers now. Mm. Um, playing games and doing doing things because we know because we've obviously seen what they are that they're you know they're okay mm-hmm. um but yeah a lot of the cartoons are just <laughs> off stuff that i wouldn't watch anyway but they're just berserk but a lot of the yeah. anime stuff it's just yeah just yeah. And even stupid violence i think it's stupid violence that i look and go yeah you know what yeah, that's like, not really what, what what does it add to the cartoon yeah it's yeah nothing really so so um, you um you went to Japan uh, was it two years ago or last year? No, it was it was all the years oh merged into one now. It was two thousand eighteen in September two thousand eighteen. So okay, so um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So only uh, a year and a half ago. A year and a half ago, God, it's gone quickly. Um, I had always wanted to go to Japan. Obviously, after um, seeing Astro Boy, understanding as a kid that um, it came from Japan, um, understanding that there was um, a cartoon book, which is obviously manga, this series of books that were all about this this robot boy and 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 his sister, because his sister is obviously a robot as well, and this, this family. I didn't know anything about the sister. Yeah, I, it was, um, no, no, no. She's in like, I don't know, God, it'd be like episode four or five or something. Um, and he ends up wanting, um, a sister and they unpack the sister out of the box and whatever. But, um, so the, the fascination, (laughs) yeah, no, I'm going to have to send you the DVDs. Um, a completely different vision in my mind of, of how it all started, but that's fine. Anyway, (laughs) So, but I got I got obsessed with wanting to go to Japan, and yeah. and obviously the the obsession obviously with the food, the Japanese food, and the culture and everything was a really big thing. So, um, when Alan and I started pl- like planning, I said I really want to go and see some shops with with Astro Boy. I think that's the only reason we're really going to Japan and eating those delicious. Um, Okonomiyaki, I hope I've pronounced that properly, um, the, the the delicious pancakes made of cabbage and Japanese mayo and egg and, oh, they're so good. That sounds good. Um, <laughs> and, and eating lots of sake and obviously eating lots of sushi and sashimi. Yeah. 
So we start planning and then I'm doing my research and I'm, I'm looking and trying to find obviously all the 80s stuff. I'm not interested in the new movie that was done in like 2009. I'm interested in old school 80s. Um, potentially finding um, some maybe some books or magazines along the way. And I find out that there is a thing called Astro Boy Station. Now, it's not actually called Astro Boy Station. The name of the station is, now excuse again some my terrible pronunciations, I think it's pronounced Takadunababa Station. And it's near um, the, I know, terrible, Um uh, Tokyo's um, uh, Shinjuku ward. So they're all in different little provinces yeah. and wards. So yeah. the entire trip becomes <laughs> around just going to Astro Boy Station. <laughs> and so my poor husband, God, he's the most patient pa- man in the world. He is. Um, the entire trip gets based around doing this, going to this Astro Boy Station because I hear this rumour that when the station doors open of the train, the Astro Boy theme song plays. And so... What? That sounds like something that should happen in Japan if it's going to happen anywhere. (laughs) If it's going to happen anywhere, right? And so so then I obviously find out there's this, like, Hello Kitty train, like, entire train made of, like, Hello Kitty stuff, and I'm hoping that there's going to be, like, an Astro Boy version (laughs) of that. So we go on this massive trip. We've we've gone to Shim, um, Shinbuya the night before, and then we go to this station the next day. And Alan's got a video of me, and I'm too embarrassed to even show you. I don't think I, I'd have to find him and get him to to send it to you. There is me. So we get off the train, and I miss the start of the song because I'm just too too excited <laughs> about being there. And the train doors open and Alan's got me on video listening to the Astro Boy theme song. The biggest smile on my face. I'm so excited. I'm actually embarrassing myself as being so overwhelmed with the entire thing. It was amazing. And, and like I said, I'm not diehard Astro Boy, know every person he fight, like fought in the thing and I, I don't know every every episode but it was so amazing to stand at this station that had been um become such an iconic thing from playing the astro boy theme song that you then start walking around um the particular little village or um province i'm not exactly sure how it's it's segregated but um there's little like um relics of Astro Boy. There's like um, a little picture on a light post and then you go underneath the station and there's this entire huge mural um, of not just Astro Boy but um, all the anime that this particular um, uh, company had come up with, which is the Tezuka um, pr- uh, Productions. And um, they had all the different uh, characters that he'd come up with over the decades. Yeah. And it was just so nice and it was so sweet and it was so um, it was so cute. Like You had, it, it you was, had, a, you it, had a fangirl moment. I did, I did, and I have fangirl moments. Like uh, I, I've said to you today when we were prepping for this and we had a brief chat, I was like, I get excited over like anything that I get really passionate about. You can tell I start flapping and getting really excited. But, yeah, but that's anyone was, though. 
it, yeah, like it was just, it was really nice. And I, um, one of the questions you asked me before was like, what's your favorite episode? And mine's actually episode one. Yeah. When you just get, you get the story and you get um, the concept and you get, you can see that he's um, having his own challenges and it's a cartoon for Christ's sake. I mean, it's just, it's, yeah, it's really, really sweet. But I, I brought some yeah, stuff. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you said you, I heard you say before that you brought some stuff in. So what, what have you got to show us? Because- so there's, there's a couple of things with Astro Boy and, and obviously I've been watching your, your episodes every week and, and, and about what's, what's a good Astro Boy and what's a bad one. And I went all the way to Japan, obviously, and I went, we went to these dingy little shops and found things in the corner to make sure that I got some stuff um, that was looks like Astro Boy. You can have things that, look, I can show you this. This is a patch yep. that I found. I actually found this in Western Australia. So this is after I came back from Japan. But you can tell because his eyes are nice and oval yep. um, and they're not. So this is one that kind of um, looks as well. Oh, this, that, that might. So you can tell by the way he looks and you can tell there's a um, a little symbol down the bottom that says um, the Tezuka Productions um, and you can tell it's an Astro Boy um, cartoon and, and the way that his eyes are. But Yeah, because I, I remember hearing, um, <coughs> excuse me, I know that they did a relaunch of it and um, I remember hearing that there's, a way in terms of fake Astro Boy stuff, a lot of the fake stuff doesn't have both peaks of his hair on it. Yeah. Um. So you you can tell if it's real production stuff or fake production stuff by, and you can see it on our, our little twirling Astro Boy on the screen there, um, that he's got two peaks on his hair and the yeah. fake stuff's only got one. Mm-hmm. And that sometimes you can also see where how they've drawn in the shimmer on his hair um, that's missing. Yeah, um, that's right. And so in the research I was doing, it's um, a way for you to tell. And there's also a difference in the way they do his boots. Yes. Um, as well. So um, because, I have heard that. Yeah. So with the with dealing with fakes, because, I mean, even in the basketball card world, as bad as it was even today, I was seeing some stuff um, around people producing fake um, grading documents from the companies that actually do the real doc uh, the mm. real grading so you know it's it's annoying that they do that so it's cool that you're able to identify um real stuff from fake stuff mm. i think that one of the the things uh, again like i said we went into these like three flights downstairs into these little places and in the back corner there was like a small selection of astro boy stuff Has it got, is it like melbourne it, sorry to interrupt i've been to japan mm. is, it, is it like melbourne like how we've got all the cool alleyways for coffee and stuff like that and you find all this cool stuff um places to eat and that in the middle of nowhere has it got all these cool little shops it Just does. down aisles and stuff like that. And these little anime shops out of nowhere. You, you, we had to, I had to do so much research, um, obviously going to foreign country, trying to find these places that um, they're all in these little back alleyways and down yeah. these stairs and in the middle, like, honestly, you would not, you'd blink and you miss them because the, the place is so filled with so much um, massive, amazing technology yeah. that to really pull yourself back and try to find something from the 80s, like we went down one um, alleyway that um, I had to, I really wanted to find this Astro Boy magazine and I, I should have put it in my little array of stuff, but maybe if you have me again, I'll show you next time. Yeah. But um, 
it was really hard to find stuff and it was really expensive. And I was like, oh, I, I hadn't even thought, of course it's going to be expensive. It's going to be hard to find because I presumed that there would be tons of Astro Boy stuff everywhere, but it really wasn't because it's old school now. It's yeah. it's hard to find. And um, even going online now to find um, really good Astro Boy stuff is really expensive. There's a watch that was like seven or $800 because it's one of the original runs of um, Astro Boy, uh, just a, a normal um, analog watch. So, yeah. It's like a lot of this stuff because it goes through cycles. So, obviously, as a kid, you had no money to buy these things and lots of mm. stuff. But now you're an adult. There's other adults like you that want the same thing. So the basketball card sector is the same where, you know, yep. it goes through peaks and troughs and it gets more expensive. Um, the basketball card stuff was mass produced, so there's a little bit more of it than probably the Astro yeah. Boy stuff. But, yeah, I mean, that, there's no surprise that it's got more expensive because they're harder to find and people want them. Yeah, I, I, them. I, I, found, I found on little shops there was these other ones which were little um, – you got a box and you didn't know what was inside, so you could end up with two Astro Boys or five – um, uh, five other things or um, uh, all different characters, and I ended up getting. Can you see that in the in the thing? Yeah, I can. Yeah. Um, uh, I got one of each. I got Astro Boy and his sister. Yeah. Um, and um, the yeah, which is really really lucky. I could have ended up with a professor or whatever, but I bought the last two boxes, and Alan was like, "Are you going to open them?" I was like, "I'm not a mad hardcore collector. I love the stuff, but I would rather display it." So I took these to work and put them in in my office um, at work instead and um, I have my Astro Boy mug which I was showing before yeah, if you can see cool. without the reflection yeah. um, and I use it yeah. I, mean, I don't want it sitting on the shelf I don't want to get to um, 80 and go God, I wish I used that Astro Boy mug um, but this is the other one this is the DVD collection that oops the reflection sorry that the girls watch we unpack them and we use I'm them I'm pretty sure I bought that for you yeah, you did. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, I'm going to – I was going to give you credit, but yeah, yeah, sure. uh, you yeah, beat yeah, me yeah. to the phone. Yeah. yeah, sure you were. <laughs> um, um, and my T-shirt. Oh, that's cool. And it's got the, the hologram style thing on it. Yeah. I don't wear it very often. Is that real, is it? Yeah, I went that, – that one's from Japan. Yeah. And I've got the little badges. I was wearing my jacket on purpose to show you my badges from Ash River Boys. So. so you've got your Thundercat on there as well. I absolutely have Thundercat on there. Thundercat and what's the for anybody. background of that you do? Uh, so I play Roller Derby. Roller I derby. play for Sassy Roller Derby. Hi, yep. everybody. Um, and <laughs> Make we sure all you have. Like the page. Ha- yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like the Sassy page. Um, and everybody has a pseudo name. Right, yeah. so they're like the inner inner demon or inner person that you want to escape, inner person you want to be, and um, so obviously Katrina is cat. Um, my husband, when we were trying to come up with names, um, said, "What about Thundercat?" And I was like, "That is wicked because it's '80s, which, as we just said, I absolutely love. It's something we watched as kids." I was gonna say, I just remember watching it on Saturday mornings. Yeah, absolutely, Saturday mornings and um, or with Agro's Cartoon Connection, was it maybe it was Saturday mornings after Agro? Anyway, um, but, um, yes, it ended up being Thundercat and finding the stickers and, again, this collection sort of starts growing of, of Thundercat um, paraphernalia. So, yeah. Yeah, very exciting. Oh, that's cool. So um, I think that's about it for us for today. So Amazing. 
Thank you very much for coming on. Um, you know, you didn't really have a choice. But, um, <laughs> no, but, yeah, seriously. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for coming on and shooting the breeze with us, particularly about um, all things restaurant and catering Australia, um, as well as uh, Astro Boy. Um, it was yeah, it was cool to talk with um, talk with you about that as well because it brings back a lot of stuff from when I was a kid, which is awesome. I know. Um, I know. So, but we will get you back on the show. We might get you back on the show um, at another milestone episode, maybe show 50 or something like that. Um, and maybe you can show us what you've added to your collection. So, thank you for joining us. Um, and I'll leave Kat there on the screen while we do the usual at the end of the day. Um, so, uh, as we said last week and as we say every week, make sure that you do somebody a favour, get some takeout tonight, you've earned it, um, and support a local small business because they will thank you more than you would know. We will be back next week um, with either some basketball cards, depending upon how Australia post-cope with the flood. Um, or potentially another guest. Um, if you are interested in coming on the show, um, we are looking for people who are interested in um, retro paraphernalia and who also are involved uh, in a business of some sort. Um, we've put the feels out for a couple and we're just waiting to hear back on that as well. But if you're interested in coming on the show, drop me an email, Stuart, S-T-U-A-R-T, at fergusongroupmedia.com and I'd love to have a chat with you. And other than that, have a great weekend and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.